Hey, come on, you may have a seat, but I just want to stay in this moment for a minute, please. But you may have a seat, please, man. I just, as we just were singing the prodigal, and that's a, a, a BC worship song that we wrote, and I'm just, whether you're here in person or whether you're online or whether you're listening by the radio, maybe that story that Jesus told as a parable was one that you would resonate with. And Jesus told this amazing story about a, a young man who took his own inheritance from, the, from his dad, took his share, and went off and he kind of lived the Vegas life, man. He just kind of drifted from his father, drifted from his family, took his share and just went to Vegas, spent it on the prostitutes, spent it in loose, wild living, spent it on everybody else, and then he was left with nothing. He was left finally coming to grips with life, going, what have I done? Like, what a fool I have been. What if I have squandered it all? I have lived my life with loose living. I have lived the Vegas life. Everything was great and fun for a while, but now I am left empty. I am left void. I am left without family. I don't have my father. What a fool I've been. And this, the son, as Jesus puts it, the son is like, okay, maybe I can just go back and, and be a servant in my father's house. Really maybe not knowing the father's response to his son's return. Maybe that song resonated in such a way. Maybe you have drifted. Maybe you have wandered. Man, my encouragement to this church is we've got to stay close to Jesus. We've got to stay close to Jesus. We've got to stay close to Jesus. But sometimes, man, there are those who will wander and those who will drift or those who want to do it their way. And all of a sudden you come to realization, go, what am I doing? Just like the sun and the prodigal story finally came to a place. The Bible says he came to his senses. And maybe I'm believing that maybe that's someone here today or someone online or someone on the radio that you know that you've been running. You know that you've wandered and you know that you've drifted. And what would happen if you were to return? What would happen if you know that God is putting this in your heart and in your spirit saying it's time. It's time to come home. It's time to return. It's time to come back. Stop drifting. Put the anchor down. Stop wandering. Come home. Well, what would the response of God Almighty, who is our dad, who is our father, what would his response be? That's the point to the prodigal parable. That's the point. Mercy. Grace. Love. Acceptance. This is the point. The son returned not expecting any of that. The son returned going, okay, I can use my bare feet. I don't want to put on the, the, the family robe. I can just go in and serve. Dad's like, no, it's amazing that dad was waiting for his son, just waiting to see the silhouette. And then the, the Bible tells us, as Jesus tells the story, the father ran to his son. Could you imagine the son who's already in a place of being broken? Seeing dads running towards him. Wait, that's my father. That's how did he know I was coming home? Maybe because the father was waiting and the father was looking and then the father saw and then the father ran. This is the story. For all who've drifted, for all who've wandered, for all who truly have, have got distance between you and Christ 
even though you knew there was a day that you truly were born again, that you came to understand what it is to repent and believe, and you knew that, yes, I am a Christian, yes, I am born again, yes, I am saved, I have believed in the power of the blood of the Lamb, but man, I am distant right now, I have drifted, I have gone wayward, I have tried it my own way, and I am broken, and I am hurting, and I want to come home. What is it for you today? Just to see that the Heavenly Father has his arms wide open and say, it's just time to come home. No shame. No condemnation. No guilt. You're not going to have to go out into the stalls and clean the poop. You're not going to have to go work for it as the son thought that's what was going to happen. No, the father ran. And he embraced his son and said, here's your robe. Here's your sandals. Here's your ring. You've always been my son. You always will be my son. No shame. No condemnation. Come on, church, that's just mercy. Why is it that we say, God, you are so good? Because we are amazed by his mercy by his grace. Amazed that he's a God who loves us. He's a father. Says, Sean, since the moment you believed and truly became born again, you have been my son and you're drifting and you're wandering. You have returned home and you are still my son. Maybe someone needs to come home today and know God loves you. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's no having to work for it. There is God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. I have drifted. I want to stay close to Jesus. I want to come home. And you would know that God loves you. He would embrace you. And that's his mercy. The story Jesus tells is about the Father and his mercy for those who have drifted. Now my encouragement to you today, wherever you're at in this, wherever you're at in this, please hear this. Come home today. Maybe you allowed sin to come in and get in the way. It's time to come home. Maybe you've allowed a, just an evil influence to come in and sink in, and that's caused separation between you and the Father. It's time to come home. I believe this is the call of the day. No more drifting. No more wandering. Based on the word of God, when you come home, there's love, there's mercy, there's grace, there's acceptance again. The Father will, by his spirit, truly give you a, a spiritual embrace. Son, I've loved you. Daughter, I have loved you. I have always loved you. You've always been my son. You've always been my daughter, and that's never going to change church that's mercy that's his love come on just by your heads man if you're in that place I just want to pray for you Father I do pray for those who may have drifted for those who may have wandered God that this is a call home tonight today this morning this is a call home God this is the time to say God I want to receive your mercy you are so good 
God, I want to receive your grace and have a deep understanding of your mercy and of your grace. Time to come home. You just in your spirit say, no more drifting. I'm done running. I know that this is God's call for me. I'm in. Father, I come home. And God, I ask that by your spirit, you would move in every one of our souls today to hear that and respond to you. God, I belong to you. I have been adopted. I am a son and I'm a daughter and I belong to you. I knew that there was a day that I repented from my sin. I came to your grace and to your mercy by the precious blood of the lamb and through the cross and I know that I'm saved. But it's time to come close. Time to be done with the things of the world. It's time to be done with the loose living and it's time to return. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we speak to the word today that you would speak to us in this moment, God, that we would hear from you today. God, that we would respond to your word today. Lord, I thank you for your word being alive and powerful, that you would speak through us in such a way today, God, speak into our spirit. God, speak into our soul. God, give us ears to hear. God, give us eyes to see. God, I pray that our heart would turn and respond to you today. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, amen. Come on, amen. All right, 11 o'clock. All right, all right. I love it, I love it, I love it. Come on, turn with me, please, Isaiah 53. We are in this series called Do Hard Things. Man, just kind of praying through the series and going through different, different characters in Scripture and, and how they truly did hard things because of their faith, because of their understanding of God's work in and through them, because of the understanding of walking in obedience to what God has called them to do. And man, I, I wasn't going to Get, get away from saying, okay, who is the biggest character of all the scripture? Who is the Old Testament written about? Who is the New Testament written about? What is that amazing piece uh, of all of history that that one innocent, perfect human being who was fully man and yet fully God breathed his last breath as fully man on a cross in that moment of history of time? Like we can't get away from the reality of the hard thing that Jesus did. Yeah, we know that he was fully God. I get it. He fully God. Uh, eternity past. He's always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. We believe that. We know that Jesus is God. Yeah, we get that, man. 100% God. Like, sometimes we miss the idea that he was born of a virgin. He put on flesh. He bleed. He bled true blood. He felt emotions. All of his nerves were intact. His emotions were intact. He felt hurt. He felt pain. He felt brokenness. He felt the emotional brokenness. Like being fully man, sometimes we miss it that Jesus did the hard thing being fully man and yet at the same time being fully God, putting himself on a cross to deal with the sin issue. Come on, Sean, how hard could it have been? Because he was God. He knew all things. He knew sin came. All right, yep, there's going to be a difficult season for you know, a while. We're going to be born of a virgin. That's going to be a little crazy. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to live you know, innocent 30 years, amazing. And then time for ministry. I'm going to go signs and wonders and miracles. It's going to be incredible. And then you know, I'm going to go to the cross. I know I'm going to get beat up. I know I'm going to get my, my flesh shredded. I get all that. Uh, how hard could it be because he's God and he knows, well, even in three days, I know that I'm going to be raised from, from the dead again. I know that. And then 40 days later, I'm going to ascend into heaven. I got my right hand seat at the Father on the throne. He's like, 
I know the end from the beginning. I know the beginning from the end. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Jesus knows it all because he's God. Come on, church, how hard could it be? When he knew all of that. But there is so much that I don't believe we grasp. I don't know if we can grasp. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't know if we can truly grasp what it means that Jesus being fully man yet fully God did what he came to do. The Bible says there was a season of just pure agony, pain, questioning. Sean, how is that possible? He knew all things. He knew the end game. He knew he was going to die. He knew that he was going to be raised from the dead. He knew that he was going to ascend to the Father and sit at the right hand where he sits today. Like, he knew all that. How hard could it truly have been? Well, if that's our mindset, we are missing. We're missing so much to the truth of the story. The truth that God became man, put on flesh, that he could save our sinful selves. And put us in right standing with the Father. Church, what is it to, to, to know that Jesus knew everything that was going to take place? We see that in John 18. If you could put John 18 up there, please. I want you to see this. Because we see that Jesus knew what was about to take place. He knew the punishment. He knew the shredding. He knew his beard was going to get plucked from his face. So Jesus, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, so Jesus knew all the things that were coming upon him. Jesus knew all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, whom do you seek? Right, whom do you seek? So when you, when you see this, Jesus knowing everything that's about to take place, He knew that Judas, a very close friend, was going to betray him. He knew that, but yet built relationship with Judas. He knew that once he got arrested and they saw all the aggression, that all of the disciples would abandon him. All of his friends, top 12, closest of the closest friends, lived and breathed with him for three years, saw the miracles, heard the teaching, said that he was the Messiah. They claimed that he was a Christ, understood this and saw this and saw this, and then Jesus gets arrested. Peter pulls out a sword. He's the one person that tried to defend Christ, but within hours of him defending Christ, nah, I don't know the man. Nope, not me. No, you were the guy. You were the one that cut off the high priest's slave ear. That was my cousin. You, you cut his ear off. I don't know what you're talking about. Man, that was, what are you talking about, man? That was just a few hours ago. Nope. You're talking closest of the closest friends. Complete betrayal. Complete denial. Complete abandonment. He knew all that. You don't think that hurt him in the, being a fully man? 100% man? Church, the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows, which means that he felt it emotionally. And he felt it physically. So you need to go into the gospel story and really believe, Jesus, you knew everything that was going to take place and you did the hard thing. You did the hard thing.
you did the hard thing. I want you to see this, Isaiah 53, please. We're going to kind of unpack this just a little bit. Then we're going to get into Luke, and then uh, we're going to get into Matthew. But I want you to see, in church, you've got to realize that Jesus Christ was there when the word was written. He's always been. He's part author of the word of God. So when you realize that when you go through Isaiah 53, you realize Jesus is author of this. Like Jesus is saying, hey, Isaiah, write it down. By the Holy Spirit, Isaiah, write it down. Like, like when we read this, we have to say, okay, I know it was 700 years before the actual cross, but this was from eternity past that this was written. Like Jesus knew Isaiah 53. Jesus, the author of Isaiah 53. You can read it in Psalm 22. You can say, you can say Isaiah 50, verse 6, where the Bible says, listen, I, did, I gave my back willingly without shame and gave my cheeks for my beard to be pulled. Like, I love this, that Jesus Christ, my King, my Master, my Lord, and my Savior, he wasn't ashamed of me. He held his head up. He put his shoulders back. He wasn't humiliated as though as much as they tried. He wasn't shameful of me. He put his head up and said, here is my cheeks. Here is my beard. And they beat him and they plucked his, his facial hair out of his, out of his face. His whole beard will be shredded from his face. I didn't hide from that. I didn't shy away from my back to be whipped. Church, I love it that he wasn't ashamed of me. Even in my sin and in my filth, he wasn't ashamed of me. It was on purpose. We say in Isaiah 52, 14, that he, he, it, it's written down. He's part author. He knows this. I'm going to have to hang on a cross and be shredded so badly and beaten so badly that you wouldn't recognize me as a man. That's going to happen. Like that, that's the way it's going to be. Church, we see Jesus truly as God, but we have to see him as fully man to get the grip that he knew exactly what was going to take place. As knowing Isaiah 50 verse 6 and 7 and knowing Isaiah 52 verse 14 going, this is how it's going to be. And then we get into Isaiah 53 and we see this amazing picture. And in all of the pain, church, hear me, in all of the pain, there's purpose. And all of what Jesus went through, there was a purpose for the pain, the emotional pain, the physical pain. There's, there was a purpose for all of it. That many would come to him. And I need you to see yourself in this story. You have to put yourself in this story. You have to see the purpose and the pain was for my salvation. The purpose and the sorrow of emotion and the sorrow physically and the grief and the smitten and the striking and the beating and, and the abandonment. There, there was a purpose for all of that, for that many would come to know him, that many would be saved. For many to realize that that is the lamb that John was proclaiming, right? John the Baptist, there he is. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's him. That's the lamb that's about to go to the slaughter. That has to happen. That's the one. That's him. And we read about it in Isaiah 53 and we see this. 
Church, we see the purpose that Jesus Christ endured the pain, that Jesus Christ did the hard thing. We see it, right? Verse three, it says this, and he was despised and he was forsaken of men. Isaiah 53, verse three, he was despised. That means he was despicable or vile. Like you see this and you see where, where you have an understanding that Jesus knew he was going to be hated. He was going to be despised, right? He, he was going to be despicable in the eyes of man. Like we know this, right? We know this New Testament truth that they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. They put Jesus on the cross. He was despicable to them. He was vile to them. Prophesied 700 years before that. Watch this now. And he was dis despised or he was despicable and he was forsaken of men. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Like sorrow and grief didn't escape him being fully God. He was a man of sorrows, which means he felt the emotional pain. He felt the physical pain. He was a man that understood grief. He was a man who understood affliction. And like one from whom men had hid their face, he was despised and did not, we did not esteem him, which means we didn't have any value for him. Like this is, this is what's about to happen. This is what Jesus understands. Like they're not going to know my value. They're not going to know my worth. They're not going to know who I am. They're not going to believe in me. They're not going to trust in me. You're like, church, what is it to know I'm, I'm going to be betrayed? They're going to turn their backs on me. They're going to hate me. They're going to go against me. They're going to lie about me. They're going to not know my value. They're not going to know my worth. And yet I'm going anyways. What happens when you realize Jesus did the hard thing because there was purpose in the pain. Verse four, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. And yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. That means broken. Smitten of God and afflicted. Smitten of God, it means punished, attacked. It means bruised. It means shredded. That, that's what smitten of God. That means God punished his son. God shredded his son. Like when you see the depth of Isaiah 53 and you see the depth of what this is, that it was a plan of God to bruise his son, to destroy his son, to smitten his son, to break down his son for your behalf and for my behalf for your salvation and for my salvation. And this was the plan. And there was no other plan written 700 years beforehand, smitten of God and afflicted, beaten of God, slaughtered like a lamb that goes to the slaughterhouse. For he was pierced through for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities, cast and of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we were healed. By his stripes, strap after strap after strap. The shredding of his skin, the bruising of the skin, that those sharp pieces of the leather going into the skin and shredding his skin so that bones would be exposed, ribs would be exposed, backbones would be exposed, so much so that at times your insides would begin to seep outside and there's Jesus tied to a post, naked and all shame. They tried to shame they would just shred him and shred him and shred him and shred him until he was not recognizable as a human being. And this was smitten by who? By man? Smitten by God. 
And you see in John 10, I want you to see this, please. Jesus gives this deep, deep insight to all of this. Many, many times you hear, oh, Jesus was murdered. I, you don't hear me say that. Yes, he was found innocent in court after court. Yes, he was innocent before God by, his, by, by being virgin birth. He was innocent from any DNA. He was innocent from sin. He had blameless. He was above reproach. He never sinned. He was innocent in spirit. He was innocent in action. He was not a criminal. He was found innocent through, through, through court after court after court, and he hung on a cross. And yes, he died at the, man, at the hands of man. Yes, he died through crucifixion. But I want, you, I want you to see this. It wasn't because of man that he died. He says this, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life down so that I may take it again. I lay my life down. I laid down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Keep that up there, please. Watch this, watch this. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own initiative. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nobody took my life. I laid it down under my own initiative from eternity past. I knew that this was the plan. I knew that we were writing about it in, in, through Isaiah the prophet. And this is the time to let everybody know, man, I do this voluntarily. And there was purpose in the pain. That this was the plan from the beginning. And there's no plan B. Yes, we can understand when someone say Jesus was murdered and we murdered him because of our sin, I can slightly understand that. But don't, please, don't, don't let that take away from the, the depth of what Jesus is saying here. Don't miss it. I voluntarily had this plan all planned out. I knew exactly what was going to take place. I knew exactly when it was going to take place. I knew how it was going to take place. I understood I was giving up my life. I knew the emotional pain. I knew the physical pain. I knew the separation. I knew the abandonment. I knew everything that was going to take place. I lay my life down. Nobody takes it. Don't discredit the work of Jesus by saying this was man's action. This is Jesus saying, no, this was the plan. No one took my life. They were puppets on a string fulfilling the plan that the Father had. And I voluntarily rendered up my life. Church, Jesus did the hard thing. I want you to see this. Verse six is huge. It says this, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. All of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb. Watch this, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Church, you can get this picture of when a lamb goes to the slaughter, it is a bloody mess. They bleed out the lamb and it is just a slaughter and it is a bloody lot. When that lamb is slain, that means that it was slaughtered. That means it was just drained of its blood. That's what this picture looks like. And again, when John the Baptist says, there he is. 
There's the one. Behold. You see this. John the Baptist says, behold. It's like the announcement. The Lamb of God. John the Baptist understood he's the sacrifice. He's the lamb. He's the one who has to be sacrificed. He's the one who has to be slaughtered. He's the one who has to be, be slain for what? The forgiveness. For what? That many would receive forgiveness for the sins of many. There's the lamb of God. And there's a day. A few years past that announcement that Jesus finds himself on a cross. Slaughtered like a lamb, shredded open. There's purpose in the pain. And then verse 10 says this, church. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. But the Lord was pleased. The word pleased, it means it was his desire. Crush, it means to break to pieces. We know prophetically not a bone in his body was broken. But we know that he was shredded as a piece of meat on a piece of wood. But the Lord was pleased. It brought him delight. It was his desire to destroy, to cause his son to be crumbled, to crush his son, putting him to grief. Church, you've had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity from eternity past forever and ever and ever enjoying that unity and enjoying that spiritual joy and enjoying that peace. And in this moment, we see prophesied 700 years before the cross that this plan to destroy, to bruise, to crush, to annihilate his own son brought delight to the Father. Church, how do you... How do you process that. I read this over and over hundreds and hundreds of times and I can't process that besides the truth that God so loved the world. There is a depth to his love that he loves me. That he loves me so much with a depth that I can't process what this means. It pleased God to destroy his son because he loved me. How do you process that? How do you get to the depth of that? To believe that? To crush him, putting him to grief. That if he would render himself, that means his voluntary surrender. That means, listen, no one takes my life, but I lay it down under my own initiative. Like Jesus is like, I'm in charge. I got this. Nobody's taking my life, man. This is the plan from, from in eternity past. This is the plan to render myself as a guilt offering. And as a result of the anguish, as a result, verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, you talk about that pain. You talk about that anguish, you talk about that hurt, you talk about that brokenness. He will see it. He will see it and be satisfied. 
My servant will justify the many and he will bear their sins. He will see it. Church, every time someone gets saved, he knew the purpose in his pain that he would see that there will be many who will be saved. There will be many who will be saved. There will be many who will be safe from the wrath of God because he is putting himself in the way and taking on God's wrath so that you and I who come to him don't have to. He will see it. I love this verse and be satisfied. That means, I love, watch this. That means there's no regret. Please get this. Jesus understood this, that it pleased his dad to destroy him for the sake of me and you so that many would come to a place to be saved, that our sins would be dealt with, and that Jesus saw that and that he was satisfied, which means there is no regret. Jesus didn't go through this going, ah, maybe I shouldn't have. Why did I do this? What took place? Like, there's no regret. There's no regret. Jesus did the hard thing without regret. Because God so loved the world. Get this. Jesus put himself on the cross. Church, this is why, watch this. I got to say this, man. This is why we are called to love him back. Jesus said, hey, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Church, honestly, it shouldn't be that hard. When you know this, when you know all that took place for your salvation, my goodness, it shouldn't be hard to say, oh, Jesus, I love you with everything that I am. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Church, he just says, love me back. <laughs> it really shouldn't be that hard. To just simply say, Lord, I love you. I see what you've done for me. I owe you everything. And he just says, would you just love me back? Would you just love me back with everything you got? It shouldn't be that hard. This is why we worship the way we worship. Here's why we show such gratitude and thankfulness. And I hope it's not just a Sunday. I love our gatherings on Sunday. Pumped that you're with us today. Pumped that you worshiped with us this morning. But I hope that's Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Listen, church, I hope you get what it means to stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Wake up thankful. Live during the day thankful. Go to bed at night thankful and a place of praise, and a place of worship, and a place of gratitude. When is the last time truly you said, Jesus, thank you for my salvation? Oh God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross. I focus on the cross. Jesus, I put you in the center. I put you in the spotlight. I'm amazed by you. Church, this should be every day. You want to stay close to Jesus, stay thankful. Be amazed by the cross. Never lose the wonder of the work of the cross. Never lose the wonder of the work of the cross. Stay close to Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for your grace. Your mercy is new today. Your grace is enough for me today. Jesus, thank you. Father, I'm amazed by you. I'm going to stay close. quickly, please. Quickly, please. Let's turn to chapter, um, the book of Luke. 
Did you get it? Luke 22. Could be one of my favorite chapters. There's so much in Luke 22. It truly could be one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. If you had to pick a chapter, I, you probably said, Sean, I think you've said that a couple times about a couple different chapters. Maybe I have. But today, this is one of my favorites. I love it. Because there's just so much in chapter 22. But we're just going to pick it up on verse 39. It says this. Again, trying to get into just the mind of Christ and trying to get into being fully God, but yet fully man. I don't want to lose that, you know? I don't want to lose the understanding that he was fully man and went through with this. I don't want to lose that. 39 says this, and he came out and proceeded, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. Like, this is just kind of what he did, right? You got to understand this as his custom. Like, he went to the Mount of Olives, and like, I don't know if the disciples really understood what was about to take place. He tried to tell them. He told them at the Last Supper. They're just coming off the Last Supper. Like, they should have an idea, right? But like, okay, hey, we're going to pray in the garden. That's what we normally do. So this is what they did. They followed him, going to the, going to the garden. You've got to get that, right? As was his custom. Like, he's just come off the, the Last Supper, the whole big scene, right? It's amazing. Hey, this is what's going to happen. And they went through the first communion. It's just incredible. And like, okay, I'm giving him my body and my blood. And just like, I don't know if they got it. I don't know if they got that. Because, okay, well, good. It's time to go to the garden. It's what we do. We go to the garden. We pray. But this time was different, church. This time was different. And when he arrived... At the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. What is taking place in this? He knows, church. He knows what's about to take place. He knows Judas is on the way with the army. He knows he's about to get arrested. He knows he's about to get tuned up. He knows he's about to go to trial after trial. He knows he's about to get tied up. He knows he's about to get shredded. He knows the skin's going to come off his body. He understands the pain. He knows the crown of thorns are going to be on his head. He knows that those are going to be mocking him. He knows that those are going to be making fun of him. He knows they're going to kill cry out, kill him, crucify him. He knows all of this. He knows it. And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Church, you got to know this. There was a difference between the pain and the spiritual side to this. Listen, crucifixion was everyday business for the Romans. This is, this is nothing different. Many have gone through the beatings. Many have gone through the whippings. Many have hung on a cross and died, rightfully so, because they were criminals. He, he, he's not talking. Please get it. He's not talking about the physical pain. The Bible says that he was in such agony over this. You can see it. It says this, and being in agony... He was praying fervently. Sweat became like drops of blood, so much so that even an angel had to come down to encourage him. Could you, could you imagine? Get the scene, right? Get the scene. Hey, guys, it's time to pray. They're like, okay, time to pray. That's what we do. 
But then Jesus is like, they're falling asleep. Why are you falling asleep? He would come back to him a second time. Hey guys, wake up, wake up, wake up. You gotta pray with me. He'd come back a third time. Guys, wake up, wake up. You gotta pray with me. And all this while, he knows what's about to take place. He understands it's not just the physical. There's a spiritual side to this church. I don't want us to miss it today, that he was in such agony, 100% man, 100% God. He did the hard thing. So much agony and so much inside pain and such a deep struggle that it began to sweat. His blood became like drops of blood. So much so an angel had to leave heaven to come and minister to Jesus. To incur. Could you imagine what he's going through? Yeah, but he knew the end game. He knew all of this. He knew, okay, a few hours, six hours on a cross, got it. It's going to be painful, understood. And then you know what? I'm going to be dead and then I'm going to be buried three days later. I know that I'm going to walk the earth for 40, for 40 days, I mean, and then be ascended. I've got my rightful place. I know all that. All I've got to do is just get through this. Church, that's not it. Father, is there any other way that you would let this cup pass from me? What was he talking about? Lord, is there a plan B? Father, is there a plan B? So much so an angel had to come down and say, Jesus, get up. Fulfill your assignment. Fulfill your assignment. And we'll close in Matthew 27, please. I want you to see this, please, because this is the cup. This was what was so agonizing. This was what was so painful. This is why he was sweating like drops of blood. It wasn't, it wasn't the nervousness of the beating. It wasn't the nervousness of the cross. It wasn't the nervousness of, of, of the, the shedding of blood. That, that just happened often with the, with the Romans. It was, it was this. Church, I want you to see this. It was this. And we just pick it up where he's hanging on the cross. In verse 39, it says, for those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, who, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild in three days. They thought he was talking about the real temple. He was talking about his, himself. Save yourself. I love that. Save yourself. For if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. If you are the Son of God, listen, you need to prove to us that you're the Son of God. And if you really are the Son of God, then come off the cross. Church, it was so twisted. He is the Son of Cross. That's why he is on the cross. Now, if you are the Son of Cross, save yourself and come down. If Jesus is going to speak, he's like, no, I am the Son of, Son of God. That's why I'm on the cross. I don't need to prove to you by coming off the cross. I'm proving it by me being on the cross. They had it twisted. They had it twisted. And Jesus goes through all of the ridicule. Jesus goes through all of their mocking. Jesus goes through all of their nonsense. And then there, there's this time, as you understand, the crucifixion, it went from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's six hours on the cross. And at noon to three, there was these three hours of darkness, which is crazy, incredible, beautiful miracle. And then at the end of those three hours, they hear this loud voice cry out where Jesus cries out. Here it is. Here's the cup that would pass. That Jesus cried out with a loud voice. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
church, watch this, it is in this moment in the history of time from all of eternity past. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, perfect unity, perfect joy, all together. And in this moment of history of time is when the wrath of God poured out on his son because of my sin and because of your sin. And it pleased the Lord to bruise, to crush, to annihilate his son, to get to this point right here where Jesus was agonizing over this moment, the only moment in the history of all eternity past that God had to turn his back and abandon and forsake his own son because Jesus in that moment took on my sin and he took on your sin and Jesus did the hard thing. And the hardest thing was not the whipping. It was not the scourging. It was not the crown of thorns. The hardest thing was in that moment and the first time in all of eternity, God the Father had to abandon his son. And we see it. It's the only time in all of scripture Jesus doesn't reference him as father. referencing him as judge. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because Sean Rufield needs a savior. That's why. Because Sean Homerfeld needs to be saved and the only way to salvation that leads through the cross. Man, church, we're going to take up communion today and I just want to encourage you, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior, come on, take communion with us. But if you don't know Jesus, man, I want you to come to Christ. I want you to realize that God loves you with a love that you don't, I don't know if you ever get to the depth of his love to realize all that we just talked about today to realize this. Jesus is worthy. Church, he is so worthy of our praise. He is so worthy of our exaltation of him, our, our lifting his name high. See right now, Revelation 5, verse 12, it gives us this amazing deep picture of what is taking place in the heavens of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Those who are in sea and under the sea all are rejoicing. Like you've got to understand that, church. That's all who know him and all of the angels. The Bible says 10,000, 10,000, and thousands, and thousands. That's millions and millions upon thousands and ten thousands. That is a number that you cannot count of all of these beings around the throne right now saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. For the lamb went to the slaughter, right? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now they're in heaven going, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power, rich wisdom and might, honor, glory, and blessing. Honor, glory, and blessing. A word used for adoration, word used for his worth, word used for our praise, word used for our worship, to acknowledge him and to praise him and to honor him and to glorify him. These are words that are used in praising him for he is worthy, for he is the son of the living God. He did put himself on the cross. He did endure it, for he finally simply said, not my will, but let your will be done. God, I get it. There is no plan B. Father, there's no plan B. I'll go through with it. Because Sean Oberfeld needed to be saved. Church, where are you in this? Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? 
have you stopped understanding what it means to stay close to Jesus? To just love him back. To just love him back. We're going to take communion and we're going to sing a song right after communion. Man, if you need prayer for any reason this morning, you want to talk about Jesus. You're like, Sean, I don't think I know Christ. Man, I want you to come up front. And we have prayer warriors up here that would love to talk to you about Jesus. We'd love to talk to you and lead you to Christ. And then when we're done, if I can have my famous section in back, uh, Dan G, if you could help me clear those chairs, push them back for Seek tonight. Seek's going to be powerful tonight, church. If you can make it, don't miss it. It's 6 o'clock. It's going to be powerful. Come on, if you could open up your communion cups, please. Father, we just thank you for the moment. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, I don't know if we get the depth of it. I don't even know why. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. We owe you everything for you are worthy. For you are worthy. And in this place, we are reminded this morning of the price that had to be paid. That Jesus, you did the hard thing for us and we will love you and we will honor you and we will serve you and we will follow you. And we will remember the cost, the price for our salvation, the shedding of your blood, the separation from your father because of us. Jesus, you took the hit for us. You took the wrath of God and you took that hit. And you did that for us. And we remember that today. For on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please. In the same way, he took the cup and said, there's a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please. Church, if you could just stand to your feet. And I want to worship this morning as he deserves to be worshiped. And we close out this song as Miss Katie's going to sing for us this morning. And I just want you to worship along together and just declare that he is worthy. Truly, he is worthy. Sing with everything you've got this morning. Come on, please.